0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back to Business Black Belts. Laura Hoover here with you yet again, and we have another great leader on our show today. Welcome, Peter. Why don't you go ahead, get us started, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, a little bit of your story. And, and just bring us into this.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, good morning, Laura. Happy to be here. My name is Peter Goodmanson. Uh, I'm currently the CEO of a company called Be Home 24-7. Uh, we're a property management software um, service that that serves the vacation rental and the residential world, in particular, single family for rent uh, houses. Um, and so I've spent most of my career uh, running small to medium-sized businesses. I think it's something like 25 years now of um of what I call buy-grow-sell, typically buying a small business, growing it, selling it, and then moving on to the next one. I don't always buy. Sometimes I'm hired by an investor group uh, to run something, but I'm a generalist with an emphasis on um, technology and um, media, Uh, and I think uh, we'll get into perhaps, you know, how I I got to that phase. But I'm uh, 58 years old, live in Dallas, Texas, have a a wife of 35 years uh, next week, and then... um, uh, four adult children and uh, uh, two uh, in law uh, children, a uh, uh, son and daughter for each. So, and one dog.
0: And one dog. Congratulations on the early anniversary. Um, hey. Thank so you. So, take me through a little bit about Be Home 24 7, because I feel like that is, like, that between the service industry and, you know, 2020 and all that kind of spiel happening, like what what has been you know that current journey? Because I know that a lot of these things are recovering or exploding right now.
1: Yeah, exploding. So our our category is called prop tech or property technology. You know, there are a lot of industries that end with the word tech, so you know ed tech and fintech and all that, but prop tech. Part of the reason why there's so much investor enthusiasm for PropTech is that real estate is perceived to be the last area of non-innovation. If you think about a an apartment or a house its much the same as it was 100 years ago maybe some air conditioning and a few other things are are uh, more modern but they've not moved at the same rate that other things like telecommunications and transportation and so on and so so there's a feeling that it's the last frontier you know it's it's alaska 1950 you know it's kind of kind of the feel so um so that's what so that's what the where the the global enthusiasm comes specifically we serve, like I said, the vacation rental world, where the challenge there is the velocity of people checking in and out. A vacation rental is average of about six days. So it's unlike a, a lease that at, lasts for a year for a renter in an apartment or a house. In a vacation rental, they're checking in and out almost with the frequency of a hotel. And so there's a lot of things that need to be coordinated, housekeeping, maintenance, um, um, uh information for the uh the guest uh, uh you know if you've ever been in a vacation rental there's typically a three-ring binder that tells you how to turn on the spa and where you know what the pool code is or the or the uh, gym code and so on all that stuff is now digitized uh, through our software so that's that and then on the residential side the challenge is that uh, there's more consolidation of landlords. So uh, instead of just a guy or a woman who owns three or four houses and rents them out, that, that still exists, especially in the Northeast uh, or the North Central part of the country. But in the South and the West, it's, it's typically more corporate um, landlords. And so they may, ma- they may manage literally thousands or tens of thousands of houses. So it's hard to call Bob the landlord and get your... Uh, toilet fixed. Um, uh, So the the, the landlords need to figure out a way to manage all these properties together. In particular, they're trying to save on labor because it's very expensive to send a a person, probably a guy in a pickup truck or a golf cart across town or across campus. Uh, So if you have a dashboard that tells you what's happening, you know, why is the back door open at house number 362? Or why is the air conditioner running at 60 Mm -hmm. degrees when um, it's 100 degrees out when no one's actually living in that apartment. That's wasted money and wasted energy and bad for the planet. So, so energy savings, labor savings all comes from that. But that's what Be Home is. We're actually 15 years old, which is very unusual in um, the prop tech space. Most are uh, new ideas that just popped up last week. Uh, we, we've been around for a while, especially in the vacation world. And I only joined the company about a year and a half ago. So again, as I said, buy, grow, sell. I didn't buy, I bought in, but I did not buy all of the company, but a family office owns a majority of the company and they bought in about uh, two and a half years ago. And my not very funny joke is that uh, part of their condition in, in investing was that the company hire a quote unquote real CEO. They couldn't find one. So here I am. Uh, that's my, uh, my humble approach. But it's been great and a lot of fun. And uh, it's, it's a very dynamic space and with a lot going on.
0: I was I was just thinking about, like, the technology that goes into homes now. Like, I, I grew up in a very, like, older home, you know, very stock standard, built back in, you know, the 60s. Kind of, you know, a box with a roof on it, essentially. Got your air conditioning and all that. But then, you know, as I grew up and as my brother grew up, we started adding technology to homes. And I know it used to be, a very like upper like I grew up in in, in a more middle class family and I used to be like, oh, well technology in the home, you know, adding <clears throat> automation or Google Home and all this kind of stuff to help monitor all these appliances was ludicrous to think about, whether it be like just the financial issue of it or the conceptual issue of it. And to start having that come into your actual homes now, whether it be for like rental or vacation, it still helps everybody. Yeah, it does a lot. In fact, yeah, that's in what one, one
1: of the things our software does is, is we call it a unifying operations platform. Cause part of the problem is whether it's individual homeowners or more corporate uh, 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 property managers is that they tend to have um, many, many different apps. So you have to open up one for housekeeping, one for, yeah. for security, another one for HVAC or, you know, air conditioning and so on and so the idea of having one app uh, because otherwise we call it the leaning tower of tech you end up with too many layers and they don't talk to one another and it's very complex so that's that's a big part of our value proposition and why we're f- finding good traction uh, right now uh and i guess since you know since this podcast is really focused on you know leadership lessons overall i mean one of the key key lessons is get in front of a, of a wave <laughs> you know get uh, w- which space you pick is yeah. as important as anything else that's a that's a uh, a big picture lesson I think uh, listeners can can derive because you can execute perfectly in an industry that's on the way out and uh, uh, you'll do okay, but you won't do really well uh, as you will do it executing in a mo- even in a moderate way in a hot space.
0: Yeah. So speaking of, of both of those things, tell me a little bit more about how you got into this
1: Yeah, actually, you know, despite my uh, apparently mainstream American accent, I'm I'm a first generation immigrant. I came to the U.S. as a child when I was three years old. I was born in Denmark and my father was from Iceland. Uh, Gudmundsson is a—it's like Smith in Iceland. It's a very common name. And um, uh, it just means son of Gudmundur, and my grandfather's name was Gudmundur, so that's that's the name. Uh, and so, although I feel a little bit like Jason Bourne, because I still have an Icelandic passport, and there I'm Pieter Iverson. I have a different name, so I feel like you know, I can be whoever I want to be. But. Back to the story. Here in the U.S., I uh, came at the age of three, grew up in suburban New York. My mother was from Canada, so we spoke English at home uh, primarily. Um, my, like I said, my parents met at the United Nations uh, before there was even a U.N. building. At, th- at that time, it was near LaGuardia Airport in uh, Queens, New York. Uh, Anyway, so I grew up around a big sense of that. I learned a few lessons. One, um, long before people were throwing around the diversity word way too much, uh, we had real diversity. The the world we lived in was, you know, so-and-so was from Nigeria and -and so-and-so was from Singapore. And that just seemed normal to me. Um, that, and everybody had a story to tell in a cultural context. And people did not walk on eggshells to ask about uh, heritage. It was something to be proud of, not to be something to be worried about. Uh, so I grew up with this really rich sense of the world, um, And number one. And then number two, a sense of service. My father being a diplomat, he later uh, retired from the UN and became uh, and worked for the Icelandic foreign ministry as the consul general in uh, in New York. So anyway, I grew up with a strong sense of national service. So I went off to college at Brown University in Rhode Island and then very uncharacteristically for Brown at that time or even today, I went in the military, national service being important to me and having been raised feeling American. I say my baseball is better than my soccer uh, or team handball. I'm 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 truly an American, uh, although proud of my Icelandic heritage uh, went in the Marine Corps, served as an artillery officer. Um, I joke that in my class of 85 at Brown, I think, uh, three of us went in the U S military to my knowledge. And I think five or six went to Nicaragua to work for the communist government. So that shows you the relative, uh, uh, priorities of that campus. Uh, but, uh, again, it gave me a great sense of, 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 um, diverse perspectives. Um, and then, uh, when I got out again, I, 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 at the time I thought I would do more service, like go to, uh, maybe get a master's degree in, in, uh, in either law or, or, um, diplomacy, you know, uh, Fletcher school of law and diplomacy at Tufts, that sort of thing. But I, in the Marine Corps, I really, uh, doubled down on leadership, uh, and, and enjoying, um, the art and science of leadership. And so that led me to business school. So I went to business school at Harvard when I got out and, uh, briefly a detour, a mistake of going to wall street because it was prestigious. And frankly, they liked my background and I figured if they liked me, I should like them. Uh, and I did that for a couple of years, but very quickly found myself uh, working for KKR, a big private equity firm at the time, long before private equity was well known. Uh, I worked for their media company doing acquisitions. So I went around the country buying small and medium sized businesses in publishing and media. And I was sort of impressed by the the entrepreneurs and the founders and the sellers that I met, uh, the lives they had uh, and uh, aspired to become one of them. So pretty quickly I went through a whole chain. I I also had a career detour as a dot-com CEO. Mine, again, not very funny joke, although it's getting closer. I don't have any grandchildren yet, but it's getting closer to reality. This was 22 years ago. I took over at jobs.com and my joke was, someday I will have children and they will ask me, what was it like at the birth of the internet? And I'll say, I don't know. I was there the morning after and it was really ugly because uh, I joined in June of 2000. And anyone who knows their business history knows that uh, the internet was exploding at that time. The dot-coms were dying right and left. Uh, and so i stupidly ran into the burning building but but like all things was a great education um there was a book years ago what they don't teach you at harvard business school and it's really about salesmanship um my uh, i I, i've laughed over the years that i must know everything because i went to harvard business school and i read the book what they don't teach you at harvard business school so by definition i've covered everything but what they don't cover at the school kidding aside is bankruptcy law and i learned about chapter 11 uh, through at jobs.com, which again, is a tremendous education. Uh, uh, I don't recommend it to anybody. But if you find yourself there, uh, uh, sit back and, and enjoy the intellectual journey, because it's, it's quite fascinating. And from there, I went on a whole a, a, a slew of, of buying various businesses. I bought a small magazine company. I, I partnered with a private equity firm to buy a sports memorabilia publishing company called Beckett Publications. Uh, sports geeks in the audience uh uh, uh, who collected baseball cards? We'll all know it. It's what what Dow Jones is to Wall yeah. Street. We were to uh, sports memorabilia. Uh, and uh, in fact, over the years, when I've mentioned Beckett, if I see uh, a person, generally a man, a middle aged man, will eyes will light up. Oh, Beckett! I and, and I'm like, oh, you were a sports geek. It's, it, it, it outs them every time. Um, and uh, but that was a great experience. Uh, grew that uh, uh, largely, ironically, not so much in the sports area, but in the non-sports. We had magazines and websites for Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic: The Gathering collectors and so on. Uh,
0: right, you guys. Yeah, did. so that yeah, geeks come
1: in all flavors. They're not just all sports <laughs> geeks. And so that was fun. Um, yeah, and so and so from there, just a whole a whole uh, uh, slew of them. Probably one of my highlights was I bought a. Business in Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, in 2013, called Recruit Military. It was a real passion of mine, having been a veteran. Uh, it helped companies hire military veterans, and we were very successful in growing that business. And I sold it four years later. Um, and uh, I very often, when I when I find a business to buy or work for, I like to identify the possible buyers almost. Right away, and you don't. You you have to grow the business in its own right and do the right thing for the business. But it's good to flirt with potential buyers early uh, and get them excited about what you're doing. Uh, and I'm also just uh, by personality. I would rather a career of solid triples than lots of home runs and strikeouts. And uh, some people go for that attitude of, you know, we're we're working on this thing and it may turn out to be the size of Google. Probably won't be. Will probably fail. That's a certain type of person, that's just not me. I'd prefer the um the balance of um lower risk but uh, and moderate but good return. Uh and when I say return, not just money, I mean return on, on, on return on experience, you know, uh ROE is return on equity officially, but it's also return on experience. And uh, we're not on this planet forever. And learning is, is one of the great satisfactions. So learn. Uh, in fact, when I hire people, maybe people tend to hire in their own image. And one of the things I really look for is uh, is intellectual curiosity, evidence of someone who says, hmm, it's not just, hey, I'm in sales. I need to make 100 calls a day. It's why am I making 100 calls a day? And what if I made 90 but pitched differently? And you know, that's sort of i B, t- I'm going to do it differently today and see if it makes a difference. Uh, take notes, try it again. And that applies to almost every profession. Now, you don't want nuclear engineers just turning the dial to 11 to see what happens. But I mean, there's some some areas you have to follow uh, uh, the, the book. Uh, but in, in many industries and functions, intellectual curiosity isn't mentioned a lot, but I think it's one of the most important uh, things. Uh, yes. And it's, it's a, not to get too big picture. But it's, I mentioned diversity earlier. I think one of the problems in our society today is that through various social conventions, we have squeezed out people's ability to show intellectual curiosity. People are afraid to use the wrong phrase or the wrong pronoun or this and that. And they're walking on eggshells. And you can't connect as a human if you don't generally are curious. Tell me about your life. Wow, you're very different than me. I want to learn about that. And please trust me in my sincerity that as a human, I want to know how another human approaches the world. Uh, and that's the common humanity that 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 joins us and i'm i'm afraid our, our discourse uh in our society has has turned away from that uh and so anyway you didn't ask for that big picture of, uh, an observation but i think it's important uh because because careers are a subset of lives and so you have to figure out how you want to live your life and their yes. career is a is a part of that
0: yeah. there is something that i just want to briefly touch on um and and that is is something that I have found to be extremely impactful in my own life. Um, but the people that I've learned the greatest amount of knowledge about living, about being a person, and and leadership in and of itself, but about being a person, are are those around me who were in the military, or at very mostly, who were in the Marines. Um, like some of the greatest um, people I've worked for, you know had had served or are currently serving um so i want to from the bottom of my heart say thank you uh for your service because even though i have never gone through those trials because i know that there are extreme trials in even gaining to go to military more so going overseas as i'm seeing that with my brother right now um and uh his wife but it is it's something to appreciate and the, the, the leadership and the ability to connect with other people um, just being, you know, basically thrown into yeah. the fire and say, hey, get along with all these other people around you. No oh, it is. It are. is a,
1: a wonderful experience. And uh, in fact, it's a, you know, in interviews over the years, I've been very, lot very, very often been asked, why did you go in the military, especially with, with name brand educational pedigree? Uh, it's not common, uh, especially in my generation. I was sort of the post-Vietnam generation. It, it, post 9-11, things changed a little bit and you'd see more, quote unquote, elite type people, uh, elite educate, educated people entering the military. But by and large, it was very uncommon in the 80s. And um, one, it was a differentiator. But two, most importantly, yeah, it's a tremendous education. I call it demographic education you really do learn. I mean, th- there was an old cliche if you, you're you probably too young, but World War II movies, there was always, you know, a, a squad of, of troops. And there was one Italian guy from Brooklyn and there was a farmer from Kansas and, you know, all these cliches, but, and, and they were very different, but they bonded together. And, um, it is really absolutely true. And you learn, uh, uh, again, I've, 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 I talked earlier about diversity, one of the other things Americans are very uncomfortable with, and this is a, an advantage I have of being a little bit of an outsider, like I said, a, despite my accent, a first-generation immigrant, is Americans are very uncomfortable talking about social class. Uh, in fact, I believe most of our discourse around race in this country is really, so, it's really social class in disguise. Uh, Americans are the British talk too much about social class, and Americans talk too little and uh, and it's it's because um, in the military the, the enlisted folks by and large come from the upper working class uh, uh, lower working uh, lower middle class the officers mostly come from the middle class. Uh, with exceptions, I'm, I'm making broad generalizations, but the the values are very different. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot a lot in common too, of course. But you realize the the the, the social values, the emphases, the what's what what defines a, a a life, is really important to understand that. And then in business, or anything any sort of career, understanding that is really really critical uh, in relating to people. Uh, in, 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 and again, knowing that it's a generalization. Generalizations are kind of like stereotypes. You got to be careful. They're, they're a little bit unfair, but also a little bit accurate and, and sort of know the difference and, 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 and always keep an open mind. But yeah, military experience is great for that. And of course, other things, resilience and, and grit and mission focus. Is very clear. Uh, The only thing that's really different about the military from uh, day-to-day business is that, in most cases, there are exceptions like the Coast Guard. But in in most military services, you're practicing for a a game day you hope never occurs. If you're at all sane, you don't want to go to war, Uh, and so and yet you have to prepare for that. I was lucky. I was a peacetime, um, person, you know, closest I got to combat was a coup d'etat in Fiji in 1987. And we didn't even go ashore. We were just in ships, you know, ready to standing by, ready to help, you know? And so, um, uh, I'm lucky. Uh, and I also generationally was lucky. I, I missed Vietnam, uh, too young for Vietnam and, 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 and too old for, uh, um, the, the war wars uh, against uh, global terrorism. So, so anyway, but yeah, I definitely underscore uh, that. And then, it, really, any other transformational character building experience is good too. If you're not going to do military, there are civilian equivalents, Peace Corps and, and Vista and programs like that. There are personal challenges. You know, hike the Pacific Crest Trail or or uh, um, those types of things. I really encourage young people in particular to to seek out those. Those branding experiences. And that's the cynical side to it. It helps you it, it present yourself in your career, but more practically, it really does develop character, which is really, really important.
0: I mean, I will 100% agree with that because right out of high school, um, I became an EMT and started on the path to become a firefighter. I turned down that opportunity at the end of the day for uh, college and going into radio and communications, but. Yeah, even, you know, in that short stint, I saw a lot. And a lot of that inherently affected the way I see business and the way that I conduct myself. Um and now I I have a little bit of understanding and how to relate to to some of my family members who are in the military. Very similar, yeah. The first responder world, very is very, yeah, very 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 similar. Um, the
1: the camaraderie, uh, the gallows humor, uh, all that sort of thing, yeah. And the thick skin. That's another thing. Again, I keep making these broad societal comments, but we are so quick to be offended today. Uh, and uh, you know, I have a. My youngest daughter is a, a nurse, pediatric nurse, and she told me, I won't repeat them, but she told me some of the funny jokes they have. And they're dealing with very, very sick children at a children's hospital. You'd go crazy if you didn't have a little bit of humor. Uh, you probably don't want to well, want the parents to overhear some of the jokes, but but you have to f- channel that somewhere. And uh, anyway, so yeah, no, I, I, I'm i glad you had that experience too. Or really, anybody should, should seek that out. And even later in a career, you can do it on the side. Uh, um to, to find ways to serve. Because again, happiness comes from not worrying about yourself. And we have a society that is, I'm afraid, very narcissistic right now. And people are spending most of their time taking pictures of themselves rather than uh, serving the benefits of others.
0: I mean, I will say it comes with the word service, but it definitely throws you into the fire and teaches you how to treat people right and serve people.
1: Exactly. That's a great phrase. Yeah, I like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, turning off of the heavy stuff. Uh something else you re- you mentioned that you know, it just kind of stabs at my heart a little bit. Um but it seems to me and please correct me if I'm wrong. That you are a massive baseball fan. I'm going off track here from one of my usual <laughs> questions, but actually, I once
1: was. You know, funny when I was at Beckett, I, I had I had what I called um, a professional detachment. I, I I really analyzed the industry and. In, in as, as a non-passionate fan, um, I was, as a child, I grew up in suburban New York, I was a big Yankee fan,
0: uh-huh. and I actually had a, it
1: wasn't was personal trauma, but I was a huge fan of, I was a catcher when I played baseball myself through high school, and uh, there was a baseball player named Thurman Munson, he was a catcher of the Yankees in the 70s, very famous with the World Series a number of times, same era as Reggie Jackson and yeah. a few others, and I loved him, but he died young as in, a, in a plane accident. Uh, He was learning how to fly so he could get back to his family in Ohio more regularly between games, and he uh, crashed. And I actually sort of turned off from baseball after that a little bit. I I mean, I'm still sort of interested. And baseball, though, I find is a sport where – you're sort of all in or not at all. You can go to a game and just sort of eat a hot dog and talk right. to a friend, or you can really pay attention and and, and, and uh, really get into the chess match. Is it time to change the pitcher? And should it be a right-hander or a left-hander? And, you know, that's pinch hitting and all that sort of uh, uh, strategy. That's really fun. But if you don't know the rosters and you're not really paying attention, you're not going to really do that much but yeah, yeah it is interesting years, yeah. and then having i've like i said i've got four children in their 20s two boys two girls or two men two women i i have to say and uh, watching them play growing up uh, they were all, all very athletic and and uh, um uh, so i learned whatever sport they were playing i was interested in
0: is there anything uh outside of business that you would do for fun to get away to de-stress uh, obviously you you get kids but
1: well, it's, it sounds very, du- uh, very dull, but one thing I really enjoy is long distance walks. So uh, I had sold a business in 2017 and I walked uh, across Spain, um, what's called the Camino de Santiago, uh, from uh, France to uh, northwestern Spain. I Absolutely loved that experience. And then when I had an exit three years later, I um, walked with a friend from Lucca to Rome. I was able to get into Italy during COVID because I had an Icelandic passport, and uh, that was a great experience. These pilgrimage walks, I really enjoy. And, and one, I love history. I love the exploration, uh, and I love running into people. The other pilgrims uh, from around the world are just amazing people, yes. and uh, there's nothing like running into somebody. And I speak intermediate Spanish and, of course, English, and... You, As you walk past people uh, who are walking in the same direction, you say, uh, buen camino, buenos dias, and good morning, and that, that signals to them that you speak English, or if they can tolerate your bad Spanish, you can communicate, and uh, it was just wonderful, and so I I spent a lot of time, believe it or not, sort of planning my next walk. I don't know when uh, we will exit this business. There's no no, no set time, but I, I sort of fantasize and plan about all these walks that I want to take. There are other Caminos in Spain, or, uh, I, I want to walk from, um, believe it or not, Aitwa by ship t- initially, but from Iceland to Rome, because I had an ancestor a thousand years ago, who, uh, a woman named, uh, Goodry, the far traveler. And she, she was 28 generations ago. And when she converted to Christianity after, after traveling to America, uh, with the Norse, uh, she, uh, uh Travel from Iceland to Rome and back, um, and uh, I want to replicate. it. It's almost exactly a thousand years ago, so I want to replicate her um, achievement by doing the same thing. Planning those uh, logistics on how am I going to get by ship from Iceland to Denmark and then walk from Denmark to Rome? So that's uh, um, that's a lot of fun for me. Well,
0: you are going to have to keep me updated on that because that sounds amazing. I have people in my family who who love to go on like the same pil- pilgrimage walks almost um it's kind of deep in, in in my family as well uh a few yeah. oh it's it's just a wonderful
1: experience and you also get a shower and a bed at the end exactly. of the day so that's not bad either yeah. you know I was an old backpacker years ago I've you know walked for hundreds of miles along the Appalachian Trail and all that I'm not sure I would do that again maybe who knows but um but yeah the comfort and and really the people like i said oh, it's yes. just great bang it's a common theme is being genuinely interested in people and their backgrounds and their heritage and all that it's well, great fun!
0: I know our time grows short, so I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you for whatever reason, learn more about your current businesses, potential next steps, uh, yourself is LinkedIn or email or LinkedIn
1: is probably the best. Yeah, I, I keep up on LinkedIn pretty well, and my name is pretty unique. Um, uh, every now and then, I get. Uh, a question: Did you play basketball for the tra- Trailblazers? I'm like, no. There was a there was a Pietre, he spelled it Icelandic way. P E T U R Goodmanson, who actually did play in the NBA in the late uh, um, late 80s of all things. And I'm I'll like, no, no. You're 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 confusing me with somebody else. He's back in Iceland now, I think. But uh, I do have his baseball card. I mean, his basketball card actually on my shelf. But um, yeah, so you know, LinkedIn is the, is the best place to find me. I exist on on Twitter, but I don't. I don't tweet. I, I just sort of lurk. Uh, and then Facebook and Instagram is all you know dog pictures mostly.
0: Again, thank you so much for being on. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And same to all the listeners out there. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general,
1: feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.